This is War Room Moments, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and most relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. War Room Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Hey, welcome to the War Room today. Terry, it's an absolute pleasure to have a man of your stature here today. Man, what a rich, steep background and history you have. It is amazing um, the things that you have done in your lifetime. And I really look forward to really digging into that so people can really glean some really good knowledge from you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. These are always fun because I always learn a few new things as, as we talk about uh, success and ways to yeah. take the next step. Absolutely. Well, hey, Terry, if you could just quickly, I mean, just give the audience a little bit of your background so they kind of know, you know, who you are and, and uh, you know, what your superpowers are. Um. I grew up on a farm in Iowa, small yeah. farm. My dad uh, came through service and went back and began farming. And uh, he, he was a he was a hard worker, but he always was encouraging. My whole family was encouraging. If I messed up, they'd always say, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And I think that's where you get that first, first inkling of entrepreneurship. But really, when I went to college, I was going to be a math major, but learned I could go over here and talk and make a living. So I got into radio and television. And uh, somebody came in and said, hey, cable television just starting. We need somebody to help us. Anybody interested? I don't know why I raised my hand, but I did and started in cable television before cable television was cool. It was the most entrepreneurial company. I could, you know, I basically, my dad said, hey, go out and get a job, work hard. When you turn 62, you're going to be happy. And I realized in that entrepreneurial first company, cable television, just getting started, that happiness actually happens on the way to success. So we were starting the MTVs and CNNs, helped with all of those and putting that all together, which was really, really fun. And about halfway through, I mean, about four or five, seven years into it, I helped promote my local town. They wanted to have a centennial and they said, we need somebody to help promote. So I raised my hand, said, okay, I'll help. And we decided to adopt a celebrity uh, as, as a publicity stunt. Just say, hey, we've never had anybody famous in 50 years. Let's adopt someone. Lo and behold, I uh, got a call from the Johnny Carson show and we went out and we were on Johnny Carson, 20 oh, wow. million people. And all of a sudden, you know, my career took off. Well, I worked my way up through the cable company. I also learned in that uh, being in a big New York Stock Exchange co company ultimately is that equity is very important. So getting stock options rather than cash and being part of success in a company is pretty big. But at age 40, we cashed out. Somebody came in and tried to take a run at our stock. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, wait a minute, my dad said I'd be working till I'm 62 and then I'd be happy. And right now I've got all the money I, I needed. I, I traveled the world. What the heck do I do now? So I decided to do what I knew about, and that was television production. So I started my own company. And for 10 years, we did the free HBO previews. You'd turn on your TV and say, hey, Marge, they're showing free HBO. And so, yeah, I'd be on <laughs> right after that movie and say, you know, if you thought about this, if you like this, go ahead and call us now. 
And all of a sudden, I'm doing work for uh, the Comcast and the Cox Communications, Time Warner. We did all the Bo Holyfield fights, getting people to sign up for the pay-per-view Bo Holyfield fights. Oh. And that was really fun. Probably the most money I made in any, any of the careers. But at age 50, I realized I'm missing time with my kids, and, and I want to be home more. I want to get off the road. So at age 50, it happens. Midlife crisis, I decided to try something new and maybe give back to the community. And I got a call from an ex-governor who said, hey, they're going to close the zoo. The city's giving up the zoo. Would you be interested in running a zoo? Remember, I said I was back on a farm with that. What, what could be different feeding a giraffe than feeding a cow? So <laughs> I volunteered. They were losing $600,000. And uh, it was a basic blocking and tackling a business. We turned the business around. Had some really fun, creative ideas in doing that. And lo and behold, we raised about $15 million in endowment. It'll be around forever now with that uh, endowment. And even through COVID and everything else, it's the second largest cultural attraction in the state. Then I got a call from another governor who said, uh, the current governor, who said, hey, our lottery director's retiring. You're a promoter. You can kind of tell I like to talk. I like to sell. <laughs> like and they said, would you be interested in running the lottery? Holy smokes. Uh, $3 million I was doing in the nonprofit to a $350 million venture. And we took that from about uh, uh, $58 million in profits to about $93 million in profit in the 10 years that I was there. But in the middle, I had kind of a life-changing event. An internal gentleman, uh, uh, one of our contractors, stole from the lottery and created the largest mm. lottery fraud in history. And so all of a sudden, I had to become serious and help put a guy in prison for up to 25 years for fraud. It's the largest lottery fraud in U.S. history. So... Today, I'm retired, and I travel the world talking about ethics, fraud, and innovation, one of either one of those three topics. And uh, it's just the perfect retirement job because I travel the world. They write me a check. They pay for my travel. Then I get to look around for the week wherever I'm at around the world uh, to find out life. So that's my story from A to Z. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's funny because you can always make a connection pretty quickly with somebody that that maybe either grew up like you. I grew up as a farm kid on Montana in Montana. So, um, you know, I know that life and I grew up that way myself and then joined the military and carried that family tradition on and all those things. But, you know, so besides your father being a farmer, right. I consider that very entrepreneurial. Um, besides that was, uh, were there other, any other entrepreneurs in your family? Or was it just pretty much your dad? I think pretty much my dad is a farmer. You know, if something yeah. breaks down, you got to figure out how to fix it, right? If you're having a sure. bad uh, winter or weather, you got to figure out how to turn that back around. And I really, working for someone else, as long as I could promote, I was using their money. I didn't really feel the entrepreneurial spirit until I till we sold the company. And then I went out on my own. And then I realized, holy smokes, I need insurance. I need a lawyer. And all these things that I got for free mm -hmm. <laughs> seemed like when I was working for the company. Now I had to learn how to do that. So I surrounded myself with people. I'm, I'm not a real detailed person. I love to figure out what do I need to do today and I'm going to get it done. Where I've, I would get people strategic planning around or, or a lawyer and an accountant. First as an advisor until I started making great money. And then to actually put them on so that I had the things that I didn't do well complemented with what I do. And that's that's why in today's society, people talk about diversity. Mine is, you really need diversity. We're selling to a global economy now. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you want as many different minds. If everybody around the table, I always talk this in brainstorming, if everybody around the table looks like you 
you're not going to get the best idea. You're going to get a good idea for a very small segment of the population. So you need to get everybody's idea together and then together prioritize those ideas in a two-step process to figure out how to grow and keep growing within your business. Yeah, yeah. That's there's some really good points for the audience if you didn't catch some of those points, um, for sure. But let's back up. Let's back okay. up way, way back in the story here. Because your father being an entrepreneur, how did that affect your decisions, right? As you kind of grew up and were you the kid and were you the kid with the lemonade stand and, and all those different things, you know, selling pieces of gum at school? And I was, so <laughs> that was totally me. Well, in the farm community, you, you actually uh, become entrepreneurial by deciding to have a 4-H calf. Mm -hmm. You're learning, you know, how much feed, it's how true. much it costs for feed. That, those are part of the projects of 4-H to write everything down. But throughout all of that, the thing I learned from a management standpoint is my dad was always encouraging. If something, uh, for example, my uncle, I, he gave me a sheep and it turned to winter and a little lamb. And I didn't want to walk down there in the cold to feed it. So I said, Dad, can can we put together a pipe so we can do it from from up the house down to to feed it so i don't have to go out in the cold and and instead of saying come on that's the stupidest side he'd say well why don't you call your uncle short he's a plumber and i could see him kind of chuckling in the background he's, oh, but he encouraged me to make the call to try that sort of thing and to realize yeah. i'm going to fail now and then but it was always the encouragement well next time you do it think about this and think about that and i try to take that in my management style of always encouraging and encouraging people to try the other thing that he taught me because he came up and he was in the depression. He lost all of his money and and when he was in high school in the depression, and then coming through the war and not having any money when he came through uh, to begin his farming is to not just bet the bet the farm on everything. So you know, the younger I was, the more crazy I was and trying and risking new things. But as I began got married and as I had kids. I realized I wanted to take calculated risks. And what that means mm -hmm. is every time I had success, I always tried to put it aside 10% uh, or so. I usually use that term 10% to try my next crazy idea to try to find my next success. I never bet 100% of it. I think I also got that from my dad because uh, you think think about gamblers. When you go in and gamble, and since I ran the lottery, I, I did a lot of the psychology questions of, what gets people hooked too much? And you'll see people at a craps table that you take $100 in. When the $100 is gone, you should walk away or whatever your budget is, whatever mm -hmm. you think you could lose and call it entertainment money. But too many people have a few drinks. You take $100 out. I lost it, but I didn't know I could win it back. I know I can. So you get another $100 out, another $100 out. So what I always did, I tried to take 10%. And if I lost that money, I still knew that I had the 90% to support my family and my kids. But that 10%, if I could turn it around, double the money, triple the money, then I took the next 10%. And I'm always trying to keep some money aside that when I see something that says, this looks kind of fun, I can do it and have no worries. I don't. I can sleep at night because I use it as my entertainment or my, well, research and develop, most companies call it. It's my <laughs> R&D money, personally, uh, to try something new and keep that. Because once you've had success in the entrepreneurial world, it's like cocaine. You can't get rid of it. You want to do it again mm -hmm. and again and again. And you realize change is so important that you need change to grow. That you'll see in all the in the in the colleges the entrepreneurial curve where it. Uh, 
goes like this. When you have come with that new idea, say, say you need 100 customers, you've done your research, so you get up to 80, 90, social media, yeah, I'm at 100. But if you don't do anything, you level off. And the reason you level off is because people die, people go away, you've reached your market. And if you don't innovate again, you'll never grow. And all of a sudden, you'll go backwards. And too many people believe, well, and you'll hear this at work often, well, it worked in the past and it's working. Well, why do we need to change anything? Yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, it's the way we've always done it theory. <laughs> exactly. <Right>? Exactly. <laughs> now you, you, you probably can tell throughout this conversation, I, I go all over the place. They, they have called me the idea dude. I don't know if that's good, bad, or different, or whether I have ADHD or what the heck it is. But I have a little theory, and I learned this. I try to learn something new, just like in this. I will learn something mm -hmm. new in our discussion. But in my 50s, uh, I decided to go out to Napa Valley. I'd never been there. Uh, I don't know if I like wine, so I went out. And I thought, you know, in a vineyard, the people who made wine and sold it just went out in their backyard, and they had a vine. They took it. They once in a while would win an award, and that's the way it is. But they don't. They take a bushel basket, the person who makes the wine, and they go all over the valley because it's different uh, temperatures, it's different mm -hmm. uh, chemical or uh, minerals, all these different things. They find the one wine. So they probably have a hundred different grapes in that to get the one grape that's going to be the award-winning one. And I take that back be to, to the theory of daring to dream, then daring to act, is that people who do well, I've found, take that bushel basket of ideas and they try to get a hundred ideas no judgment they put all those hundred ideas together and then they get everybody around and say which one do you think is the best and you prioritize with your team what you think is the best one you get them on the team because they get input two you're getting all these ideas and everybody will be on board to make it good so i try to come up with a hundred ideas knowing that one or two will work and if you only do one idea uh you'll always fail yeah that's interesting because there's been so many great points that have been that you've brought up, you know, the 10% of the 90 cent, 90%. That's a great way to look at things, um, you know, and then just just what you're talking about with this ideation process, right? Because, you know, what I see, I've worked with thousands and thousands of people over the last 10 years. and. One of the biggest stopping blocks I always see is people get stuck on an idea and they get married to it and they'll drive it right into bankruptcy. <laughs> no doubt. No you doubt. Know? That's back to the 10% to be able <laughs> yeah. to you know, mm -hmm. use a little money. And at some point you got to say, if it's not working, if, right. and of course you try changing. Failure is, is the first step to success. If you think about it, sure. you sent three people to the moon. You look it up over 90% of the time, they were off course. They had to course correct. Most people who are project managers say, okay, we've got this date, and then we're going to get this done at this date, and here's our goal for this date. And if it doesn't work, they throw their hands up and say, okay, I'm done. doesn't work. But yeah. when we sent people to the moon, they course corrected over 90% of the time. They just didn't say 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, blast off. And, hey, we planned this out, so we're NASA. Goodbye. We'll talk to you in two weeks. We're going for coffee. No. They kept course correcting to make that success. And I think that's an important, you know, failure is, is kind of the first step to success that you've got to have a few of those and understand that that's how you learn. That's how you grow, but you yeah. keep trying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and to be quite honest, you know, if 
when you look at the school systems and I had this conversation with Robert Kiyosaki last week and you know, the school systems are not set up to create entrepreneurs, but the fact is, is they can't be right. Because not everybody can grow up and own a business. Otherwise, well, then we won't have anybody to do any work. We'll have a whole bunch of people in charge and nothing, go, nothing happening. Right. So so I think it's important, though, to, you know, like I do with my kids, right? I don't care what my kids do down the road when they're old enough to do whatever they want, right? If they want to go to college and get a job, great. But I also want them to be exposed to the other side of it, right? So they're aware of it. Yeah. And, and that's the part I think that we've not done the best job at is making our children aware that there is more. And in today's society, it's obviously a lot better with all the Google and all this other stuff, right? Absolutely. More information's available to them, but, but you can't replace that sit down and have a chat, you know, with your child type of thing. So well, I, th I think that uh, it's, it's cr crazy to me that the education system is, is somewhat uh, unique to me. If you think about someone coming in today, we talk about immigration, someone coming in as an immigrant mm -hmm. has become very successful because they couldn't be any lower. And so they're willing to take a risk and do something and do it big. And they aren't used to being given, many aren't used to being given anything except to make it themselves. So mm -hmm. if I'm a laborer, I start having friends and I become the boss and I start learning and I create my own business. Anybody can create a business. You don't need a PhD to do that. I don't have a PhD. I don't have a master's. Right. I have my work ethic from farming, which you also have. And that probably did more for me of knowing if I worked hard, I would be successful at some point. And that's, that's kind of the key. And back to failure. Remember how I got on the Johnny Carson show? Mm -hmm. To do that, I, I didn't, they just said, hey, would you help us get some publicity? I sat down, hit the wrong button and printed out 44 press release or 44 things saying we're looking for a 51st citizen. And I failed 43 of the 44 times. No one replied at all initially when I sent that note out. Only one did, and that was United Press International. They threw it on the wires, and within three weeks, we were on the Johnny Carson show. So That's it's amazing. better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. I, I saw that in state government, or state government. A lot of people just want to succeed at doing nothing because they want to keep their job and their retirement. So taking that shot is kind of a big one. But you know, don't just you know if if don't just give up if it didn't work the first time, and to figure out how it works. But to try to find something that no one else does, something that is passionate to you, and that could be a nonprofit uh, or or something else, something you want to make a difference in the world with, mm -hmm. find, try to do something that no one else has done. But usually you'll adapt something that someone else has done to just make it that much better. People who just sell ice cream, well, if it's a banana ice cream store, that might be the key to get more money and be your niche in the in that market. I mean, everybody did hamburgers, but look how many hamburgers we had that really make it. The McDonald's, the Wendy's, the mm. Burger King and all the others. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's all about just being, you know, adaptable, creative, and try to find that little sliver in the market, right? That, that, uh, or like they always say in sales, find a, find a problem, provided a solution, right? That's so, right, exactly. So, I mean, that's, 
There's that, one other that. when you work for someone else that I think if somebody's working for someone and, mm-hmm. and and I think the key, someone asked me, well, how do you start a business right out of college or whatever? I sometimes say you want to go to a, I, I suggest go to a company and get in the area you want to be, whether it's marketing or accounting or sure. whatever, and learn a little bit and then start your company at nights and weekends. Remember back to the 10% when you don't have mm-hmm. any money, accumulate your money. If you take all your life savings and try it right out of the chute, you may not be as successful as if you work for someone else, keep your health insurance and and make some money and take a portion of that money and start on the weekends and nights selling your product until you get to the point that you can quit and be sustainable on on the monies yeah. that you make with your new one is, is sometimes a good one. And the other question I get sometimes is, what are, what are a couple of things you do if you were starting over, you tell somebody just started? And first thing I say is, Raise your hand. Remember, I raised my hand a couple times there. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the boss is saying you're in your meeting in that new job, and they say, "Hey, the janitor's gone, the toilet's plugged," be the first to raise your hand. I'll go clean it. What the heck? You're going to get noticed, and when you get yeah. noticed, you get promoted, and you get noticed to be able right. to to do things, which is fun. And the other is trying to figure out how to relax. Um, I did a event with Damon John, and I, here's the story. I remember we were talking about something. He was writing things down. I said, well, "What are you doing?" He said, "Well, I've got a list of five things." course he works he's on shark tank he says i got a list of five things and i said oh wow you get that many million dollar ideas he says no he said this is for me he said i've been successful but he said i do five try to do five things a day that is for me because that puts me in the right frame of mind positive Mm -hmm. mind to do something for others so it may be that i'm going to have my cheese soup today or or I'm going to go buy a new new coat or hat or whatever but things that he does so so he writes them at night revises them in the morning and he gets started by doing something for himself and that's how he relaxes and looks for things to do and that's that's something I've not mastered yet but those that like you and I who are very A types look for is trying to uh, trying to find ways to relax I wish I'd have learned that earlier in life yeah yeah I mean you and I are always looking for the next dopamine hit <laughs> no doubt about it <laughs> Yeah, I know that one. That's for sure. <laughs> it's like being a, in startup mode your entire life, really. is is it That's really what is. I kind of compare it to. It's like every day you wake up and you're a startup. It's like, yep. what's next that we can do that is just awesome, right? <laughs> well, I just look at all your all your books up above or, you know, the things that yeah. you've done. And I'm always looking for that. I wonder if we, it'd be interesting to try that or to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just that's just the way we're designed. I've got two documentary projects going on right now, you know, that are completely different and unique. And you know, I'm lucky enough that I I did all of these jobs on my own time. So in other words, I never got fired. I always just sure. say it's time to move on. But uh, uh, many people, uh, as you as you look at ways, I, I'm just I'm one that I like to try a lot of different things. I want to try something I've never done before. And yeah. to tell you the truth, see all your books. I've got two books myself. I don't read books. I've never read books. I honestly, I've never even read them. Yeah, yeah, you and see, I, you and I, we should. I I wrote them, but that doesn't mean I read them. Live. Maybe we are related. Who knows? Maybe we are. <laughs> it's funny because somebody asked me once. They were like, "So what's that book about?" And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I wrote that like ten years ago. I don't remember what it was about." But it's back to education. <laughs> we're taught, or you hear that? Okay, you got to. All you got to do is, and and some people are. People adapt differently, and that's what yeah. makes us unique. That's what the diversity portion of sure. I can uh, Henry Ford, I believe, who I heard had said this. He was on trial saying how stupid he was, 
And he looked up and said, look, I can pay any kid a nickel to go find out that answer in the library. Today, you can find out any answer in the Google. He said, my, my job is to think up new ideas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where my personality is, too. Mm-hmm. For sure. To my dad, he calls me, he goes, hey, son, can you put something in the Googler for me? <laughs> he calls it the Googler. <laughs> that's good. Uh Man, well, I got to tell you, there was a lot of lessons in what just, that was a jam-packed like lesson fest right there. But for those hard-headed that didn't pick all that up, if you had a couple like mainstay things that you could share, right? Your step one, step two, step three for success type thing, or one, two, whatever it is, you know, what would you really impart on a new young founder? today um that could help them really miss a few arrows in the back um i would say number one raise your hand volunteer yeah. look for new things uh probably two watch your cash flow you don't realize when you're starting a company if you work for someone else the all of the different expenses behind the scenes that you have so make sure you've got mm -hmm. plenty of cash cash flow which basically means you have cash to pay the rent the heat yep. um, insurance is a big one um, and then of course all the taxes and everything go along with that. Um, and have, have that money. Don't bet the farm, try to, try to make it so you can make, if you have to work for someone else, make enough money to keep you cash flowed and also to give you that expertise. Um, learn how to relax early and earlier in life. You know, I haven't heard anybody really, any successful people who said, I wish I'd have spent less time with my family. Yeah. You know, I think that. But it's tough to because you're trying to make it all. You're trying to provide for them. And isn't that the key? Mm -hmm. But the happiness happens on the way to success, not when you make a goal. If you got a goal, I've made a lot of my goals. And I say, okay, what's next? I'm looking for the next one. So the happiness comes in what you're doing today. And try to keep that in mind as you're looking for. Uh, that you realize that some days are going to be bad days. And when you have a bad day, say, okay, this is my bad day. Um, yeah. And I think the final one is find something that puts you in the frame of mind. Think of that Damon John that has the five things he's going to do for himself. Mine is I had a big project right out of the shoot, made a lot of money because the person I was going to meet with and try to pitch um, wasn't available. So I stopped at a McDonald's and I got a, a uh, cinnamon roll, hash brown, medium diet Coke. I walked in the office uh, an hour later and got a multimillion dollar contract. And every time I need something big, I'm going in for a big pitch. Guess what I do? I have a cinnamon roll, hash brown, a medium diet Coke, awful breakfast for, for health. <laughs> but you know what? I'm ready to go because I've had great successes before and my mind's in the right state of mind to walk in and, and make the pitch no matter what. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. I know. Remember the bushel basket. Finals, remember that bushel basket. Yeah. You're not going to be successful if you only put one grape in there and say that's the grape. Get 100 ideas and then get people around and prioritize which one everybody thinks will be right with a very diverse group that you do that with, and then you'll be much more successful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, you know, about five or six years ago, you know, you mentioned the raise your hand, right? About five or six years ago, I made a pact with myself to stop saying no and start saying yes, right? So, I mean, obviously within reason, if somebody tells you to go jump off a bridge, you're not going to say yeah. yes, but yeah. little disclaimer there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, but you can uh, always say no down the road. If someone says, Hey, I got yeah, an idea right. for you. 
Sure. No, too busy. But if you listen to it, you can always right. make that decision later on on what your priorities are. Absolutely. And there, there's been like for me, I, I pretty much say yes to almost everything. I mean, you know, we get like a hundred things come across our desk every day, but, but you just, you look at those and look at who they are and those things and say yes to the ones that you think um, are the best opportunities. But if you're that closed minded person, you know, we're all on LinkedIn and get like 800 messages a day. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, But some of those are like little golden gems. So you, you, you can't just like carte blanche say no to everything because you're missing JV opportunities, you're missing strategic partnerships, you're missing referral partners, you're missing so many things that can help you, you know, grow and and not just as a business, but as a human being. And those interactions that we have with people, every one of them, there is something to learn from it. Absolutely. And and you might yeah. miss the opportunity to help someone else. That's it. Even if you can't do something, you can say, well, let's get together and have coffee to excite them to, to do mm-hmm. that next big step yeah. Uh, yeah. in life, which is very rewarding too. Yeah, that's the, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, his business motto is doing good is good business. And, you know, that couldn't be any more farther from the truth. If you, you know, go out there and you just focus on doing good for others, you know, not, not to be like uh, the university guy or anything, but, but, you know, I, I truly do believe that good things come to good people for sure. Absolutely. You know, th- when I worked at the lottery, everybody'd say, Hey, um, I, I play because the money goes to a good cause. It goes back to the state for you know yeah. education, and everything else. Sure. I thought BS you play because you want to win. You take <laughs> that and you try to help other people because it, he- it gives you satisfaction that you're mm-hmm. helping. Uh, yes, it does help others and you want to do that, but it also gives you, uh, a, a nice and a good feeling, positive feeling to do other good things in life. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, Hey, as we kind of close this out, uh, you know, how do you want people to reach out to you and, and touch base with you or interact with you? Maybe you don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just want people to enjoy and to say, Hey, that, that was a fun interview. I picked up there one or go. two pieces, but if you want to reach out to me, terryspeaks.com. I do speeches, terryspeaks.com. Perfect. It has the two speeches we do. It has both books that I've done. It also has a TV show that we did that was really fun and entrepreneurial that just uh, went nationwide on the Hearst, uh, a documentary on Hearst Broadcasting that uh, on a show that I produced. Uh, so terryspeaks.com. I'm on LinkedIn and, and Facebook a little bit, but uh, LinkedIn's always good. But that's how it works. And it was it's always fun to have a yeah, conversation yeah. like this. Yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, you know, wrapping things up here, I always like to end with this because it kind of lets you into the mind of how somebody thinks a little bit. And, and it could be based on this conversation or just based off your life. But if you could have had anyone here today with us today, either to be part of the conversation, just to listen, maybe, or even be a part of the conversation dead or alive, any point in time, who would have you loved to have here and why? Um, I think Robin Williams. The guy you know, is always off the wall. He's always thinking yeah. something new. He always created something new. 
just to have that conversation together and then ask him. And he never really found that peace of mind of how, how mm. to make it work would, I, I think, I think be fun. I think it'd be interesting uh, to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah man. I, I just remember uh, good morning, Vietnam. That's like one of my favorites right there. <laughs> yeah. The guy, and of yeah. course, he, he liked Jonathan, Jonathan Winters would be good too, but mm -hmm. everybody would like to go back and talk to dad one more time or mom and sure. one more, or even, sure. or even further back. Yeah. Uh, you know, grandparents who did go bankrupt to have the conversations of what was it like and to figure out how we are, what we are is, wouldn't be a great thing to have too. Yeah. You bet. Hey, let's figure that out. Cause see, I already have my cemetery plot and my headstone and I want at least a <laughs> finger in there because if they're ever going to bring people back, I want to come back. So there's some going to have one eye open and a smile in my casket. So <laughs> You know, I'm having fun. You have a piece of glass tube that just goes down to your face so people can look at you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little creepy. Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> hey, there's the next trend right there. There's our next. Maybe we can sell those. There we go. Let's get that those. one, Pat. Holy smokes. We'll call it the death buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey. Terry, absolute pleasure having you on the show. It was a lot of fun. Um, that was a ton of value. Brought you brought a ton of value. Um, I would say in the top one percent of people I've had on here, um, and and it's refreshing to uh, have people on the show and meet people that are willing to just open it up and just leave it all on the field for thirty minutes because I don't always get that. And you know, the day I knew Ted Turner, he was that way. Mm. And I realized he, he came to speak and he was telling me privately that he was seeing two psychologists and, and having all these problems. He looked out in his backyards and his two dogs were having more fun than he was. And I thought, you know, here's a guy worth a half a billion bucks. If he can do it, why can't I? You know, I'm just a farm kid from, from Iowa in the middle of the country no one's heard of. If I can do it, why can't you? And that's, that's kind of the philosophy I've had throughout this ordeal, ordeal that, throughout this great life. <laughs> Depends on what life you lived, if it's yeah, an ordeal or not, right? But everybody has problems. That's that's the other thing. Course. We have a bad day. Say, well, you know, Ted Turner had one too, so this must be mine. Okay, let's go figure out how to make it better. Yeah. I always tell my son when he's starting to have that bad morning, he's like, listen, boy, you control what's going to happen for the rest of your day. Nobody right. else. You do. Right. So you make that choice if you want to be pissed off all day about something that's Maybe it's significant to you, but to the grander scheme of your day, it's pretty insignificant. And it won't be significant <laughs> tomorrow. It takes a while that's to figure right. that one out. Good point. Yep. Good point. That, that's for sure. So anyway, thanks again, Terry. It was great having you on the show. Um, I always like to say we all have the same 168 every week. Thanks for stopping by for 37 here. Um, that means something to me, and I appreciate that greatly. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.